Welcome to Mystery Outsiders and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama fan cast. And we are talking about the OC. And I put on my shirt today, and immediately the like clasp that fastens the top button broke. And I was like, eh. <laughs> it's a tragedy. But now I'm highly aware of it. All right, well, I mean, you'll be sitting down here with me, so I mean, that's Leading fine. back away from the microphone. Okay. <laughs> um, I would just remind something that I don't know if we actually ever uh, specifically talked about, but you know they're making a Nancy Drew TV show. Yeah, I saw it. I think I texted you about it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think we talked about well, it on here. Well, because I think it was the same time we were talking about the Josie spinoff, uh, which yes. is not actually Josie. She's just going to be a character in another character spinoff. The and... Lucy Hale spinoff. Lucy yeah. Hale's an actor, not a character. Yeah, but... we, we got we got a whole lot of just like wrapped up in the fat and all the Riverdale spinoffs, but we miss, but we didn't really talk about uh, Nancy Drew, which looks like a real sexy teen. Um, Film noir show. Yeah, I, well, I, well, I'll talk to someone else, and I'm just like, uh, I mean, if they're going to do a Nancy Drew TV show, what the, what they need to do is cast someone who is the clone of Lily Reinhardt. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Lily Reinhardt would be such a good Nancy Drew. We sort of got our dream. I mean, she was... pretty much. Let's let's be clear. She is Nancy Drew. Nothing nothing in her character really screams Betty from the comics. Other than that one time she worked on the car with Archie. Yeah, like, here's the thing. Betty from the comics was always smart, but they always had the, like, 1950s thing where it was like, oh, man, see, Veronica's very girly-girly, and, and, um, <laughs> and Betty's smart because she does man stuff? I don't know. <laughs> That's how it works in the Archie comics. Con- the connotations there are real weird. Um, but she was supposed to be the girl next door, which gave her, like, oh, she's into cars, and... She she likes, but she also is really into like the home things. Like she's supposed to be a great cook and a great baker. Yeah, and... it was just just this one was like also detective, which I like a lot better. So let's be clear, she is Nancy Drew. But now Nancy Drew, which I'm actually really excited about the Nancy Drew so, TV show. I haven't looked a lot into it, but I was talking to a friend of mine, and they um they mentioned that they're like like they're excited for it, but uh they're like but it just it feels like wasn't that Veronica Mars? And I'm like yes, and but. Number one, I don't believe that shows that are similar can't exist. Wait, you can't have two TV shows with blonde girls who solve crimes? Well, see, here's the thing, Aaron. There's CSI, CSI Miami, <laughs> CSI Cybercrime, CSI New York. But we can't have two TV shows 12 years apart about blonde girls who solve crimes. But what I also mentioned, and without having seen anything about Nancy Drew, this is sort of what, my, what I'm hoping, what I think would really help them stand apart. Because the mm-hmm. thing is, like, yes, they can't be... They, they, there's nothing wrong with them being similar, but you always have to have something that stands you out. And because uh, Veronica Mars was very much, like, noir, like, it, it was a send-up of the noir genre as a teen drama. But the other thing about Veronica Mars is Veronica Mars was the ultimate insider who became the ultimate outsider. She had the dead best friend. She had the tortured ex. She had no friends. Well, She so, was the hard-boiled. So going along with that, what I explained explain to them when I was talking about it was that... Um, Veronica Mars is a specific subgenre of noir, which is detective in paradise, mm-hmm. which you which you see a lot of in um some in some films where it's the you know they're they're in like they're on like Venice Beach or they're um in Hawaii, but it's still a noir story, but it it takes on different connotations. In fact, in Detective in Paradise, you get a lot of insider to outsider thing. Yeah. Um, uh, you also get a lot of, there's a lot more uh, strain between uh, the wealthy and the poor. Which Veronica Mars has. Yeah, so what I'm saying, so I think with Nancy Drew, I think they should go hardcore, like, the gritty noir. Well, the, the the New York 
pretty much most of the people it's going to run up with the what with the um the detective thing or not sorry the uh teen drama thing where usually there is the rich poor strain but, but I, I think, think like i think what it'll probably end up being is a very like high concept mm-hmm. detective show yeah sort of like sabrina except with the detectives not witches yeah yeah um and the thing with nancy drew is yes okay nancy drew and veronica mars both single dads but Nancy Drew is the Betty Cooper. She is the girl next door. She's the mm. sweetest pie blonde girl who's very, very smart. Yeah. And she has two best friends named George. And <laughs> George is a tomboy. And the other one, I can't remember because obviously I didn't care about her. She has her boyfriend, Ned. She has her car. Like, yeah. Nancy I mean, Drew has a lot of external supports yeah. that Veronica Mars didn't have. Well, and that's why I would like to see her be more portrayed as the new york detective who are all about they're, connections they're, yeah they're, they're, and... they're not they're they're not necessarily like very uh strong and some of them aren't even necessarily very smart the thing is that they are clever and they have contacts so would you say she's like a columbo um no i mean columbo was a lot more kind of like yeah look he, at this see you know what no i could see her if, if she decides to really play if they decide to have that she's really playing off her like no, I'm, I'm just the girl next door, dumb blonde. I'm just blonde. asking some uh-huh. questions. Then, yeah, and I think that... And Veronica Mars did that sometimes. But she was always acting. Like, the audience always... I mean, so... I mean, Columbo was also acting. acting. But, but no, they could do that. But, I, I, I know, I think I think seeing her as more of the gritty detective mm-hmm. versus the detective in Paradise uh, subgenre, I think, would, I think would really, like, make it stand out from all the people who are like, oh, but well, we've already... <laughs> Veronica Mars. Well, people also see noir as all the same, despite the fact that that's... That is clearly not. Well, I mean, they see detective as, as all the same, despite the, fact, despite the fact that gritty noir and detective in paradise are... And then there's the Betty Cooper detective, which is just, like, earnest, shouty, <laughs> putting pieces together, hard research, hard work detective. Which, I think, which is weird enough, I think, where Batman falls. Where are the other drugs going? <laughs> um, by the way, there is also already <laughs> another TV show with a blonde girl detective on the CW... It's iZombie. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, but she's dead. That's true. I mean, that's what makes that stand out. I mean, the, but the thing with every show is that every show sort of has to stand. The only reason that, like, there's, there's a reason why there's not really those CSI clones anymore. That's true. <laughs> Although, if if Nancy Drew has a dead best friend and they're trying to figure out who killed her dead best friend. I made the same joke. I made the exact same joke to my friend. <laughs> Good, uh... <laughs> <laughs> good, good synergy there. Good synergy. <laughs> Both having the same joke. Uh, all right. Well, we should get into the OC. Because uh, that's what we're talking about, not Nancy Drew. Nope. That's not out yet. Not out yet. Uh, all right. So this is the OC, and it is season three, episode three, The End of Innocence. Is it? Is that what this episode it's is about? A, it's, a, it's a real heavy title, and I don't think so. <laughs> this is one of those episodes that doesn't achieve a lot. It does stuff. It does stuff. It, there, I say there's one plot that progresses to a new stage, but it's a stage that we kind of guessed from the beginning. Here's the thing. I'm gonna, a blanket statement I'm going to say about the OC. All right. The OC made... A really good main group of characters. Yeah. These are nuanced, nuanced, um, 
not damaged. They're nuanced, flawed, realistic yeah. characters. Their main cast. Yep. But like real people. They're just like real people. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, because they did such a good job of that. All their side characters are kind of cartoonish. Yes. <laughs> They're stuck. They're like, oh no, how do we make this an interesting TV show? We made all our characters too realistic. There's this unfortunate thing that, oh god, I can't I wish I remembered who, who said, I read this, uh, this cool article where someone said, the problem is that the more, um, the more real you make your characters, the more same they'll seem. Because when pe- when everyone is complex, everyone ends up looking the exact same. That's why when you read fiction and you, when you watch them, people will have ca- like caricatured elements or one element that seems like their big thing, despite the fact that they can still be complex. Because you have to make them different somehow. They still need a thing. And the thing with the four, the four main characters is that... I feel like they've fallen away from their being, them having a thing. In the first season, they each had a thing. Now they're just complex and real. And the only one who really sort of has a thing, barely, yeah. is Seth. Yeah. Like, even Ryan is talking words now. Yeah. No, he, he doesn't really have his thing anymore, which is fine because people change. But, I don't know, it was a great article of being like, essentially it was a writing advice that says you can't actually write your characters as real people because real people look the same. It's true. It was also kind of just a, like a, what do you call it, a... An article that was sort of uh, down <laughs> because it's like, hey, you're all pretty much the same, actually, when you look at yourselves from a distance. Have fun writing a story. Huh. <sighs> all right. Well, it's breakfast. And the four, and it's not breakfast at the Cooper house, not the Cooper, the Cohen house. No, our kids have decided to go out for breakfast, which we soon discover is before school. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They've gone for before school breakfast. And Summer is sad. And Seth is also sad, but he's mostly sad because his bodyguard is gone. Yeah, and he realizes he will, although I don't know why. What does he do that's so offensive to people he doesn't know? <laughs> they just want to pants him on sight. I don't know. We think that it's mostly a joke, but he does get wedgied later. By people who don't know him. Yeah, so I don't know what that's about. It's enough of a thing that people actually are poking at it. But mostly what this scene is about is that Summer says over and over again, and this will be a repeating theme, well, Marissa and Ryan, you just have to stick together. He's got to keep sticking together. You have the freedom to do what you want, as long as it's together. I had this, like, I, <laughs> I just had this, like tally going in my head that I want I wanted to be like this like this ticker that keeps going up every time someone said stick together stick together stick together stick together well Ryan and Marissa get called home to their respective homes to their respective parents to discuss yeah. their options and so immediately goes yeah they're doomed their relationship <laughs> is dead in the water yeah fair enough uh, we're gonna learn something here that we asked in the last episode. So remember, we we're like, "Who's running the biz? Who's running the Newport Group? Who's running the business?" The least qualified person to ever do it, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy is, is running, running the Newport Group. The Newport Group. He is a lawyer, not a real estate, not a real estate man. I guess is the day term I'm gonna go with. And whoever he talks to on the phone <laughs> keeps on being like, "Are you sure you're in charge?" And he's like, "Uh, just." Do your job the way you're supposed to do your job. But also shows that I guess Kirsten was in charge, not Julie. <laughs> I don't know when Julie lost their job. Maybe we forgot. I mean, Caleb did say you're out. I just didn't think he acted on it. No. So Kirsten. Or did everyone just know that Kirsten did everything? Uh, I don't know. So Kirsten is in charge. Um, though it's worth mentioning that she, there there's never a point that she actually could have been in charge they're just assuming when she comes back she's in charge because right after his funeral was when she got so drunk that she went to rehab. rehab that's right so she never had a day of work 
maybe Sandy just stepped in and he was like, hello, Kirsten cannot be here today, so um, I like I'm the, here. I like that he walked, he's like, all right, everyone, I understand you're confused. Caleb is dead. Julie is apparently not in there anymore. Kirsten will be the one in charge until Kirsten gets here to actually be in charge. I'm in charge. Me, Sandy. I know I'm a lawyer. I'm... <laughs> and I know, and I know you're both a magazine and a real estate office. And my only experience these days is being on in a beach hut. <laughs> but I'm really good at research. So, uh, yeah, ask me a question. I will do a research. Lawyer. <laughs> I'll Google it. So, uh, Sandy uh, is talking to Ryan. And, and he gives Ryan the most grown-up conversation. Yeah, he's like, look, this is a difficult situation. You have to think about your future. Maybe spend some time apart from Marissa. And Ryan's like, I would like to freak out like a child and flip a table, but I will take your advice under but advisement. I'm currently <laughs> wearing a polo shirt, so I will not do that. Good day, sir. As the episode goes on, he starts wearing, like, he doesn't wear his wife beater until later on. He's trying to be a grown-up. <laughs> I just love with his polo shirt, just talking, like, I understand what you said, semi-father. I do not care for it, but let me go back to my pool house and meditate on the theme. Meanwhile, Julie is going to give the exact same talk to Marissa. However, I have questions. Yeah. So Julie has been on the phone all morning to get Marissa into uh, a school. Caitlin's boarding school. I think she called a bunch of other schools and then she called hers last. No, I'm curious. A, why shouldn't call their first? B, who has been paying for this boarding school? I mean, did they pay tuition before Caleb died? I hope so. I I I do assume so. Though you said you know that Caitlin comes back, so she does indeed come back. So I mean, this might be the reason why she comes back. She becomes Willa Holland, which I'm very excited about. Yeah. So Julie's like, you can go there. No one will know you're there except for your sister, and I'll raise her allowance so she doesn't tell anyone. And Marissa's like, dude. I don't care if people know that I shot a grown man who was trying to kill my boyfriend. Also, no. I would not like that, Julie. There are, in fact, good schools. Not boarding schools Julie that I can go to. Julie gives the weirdest, like, turnabout, which makes me think that we're just seeing a glimpse into her head which is, where she's like, I gave you your independence, and this is what it got. And I'm like, when? When did you give... Marissa her independence when she was busy getting drunk and dancing with the Lance of course I forgot about you and this is how you repay me I tried to stop being a mother and it turns out you need a mother <laughs> how dare you uh god this show really wants us to be like oh Julie she's so she's got so much going on and she does have a lot going on but also she's just sometimes just the worst and I can't believe Marissa loves I mean, her so much yeah I mean once again that's the whole parental thing that's the reason why ryan still loves his mom and his brother it's true so marissa somehow with all of her marissing convinces julie that she's allowed to that she should stay and julie's like yes but also please take a break from ryan please focus on yourself well that's gonna be uh become a problem as we can see just demonstrated right here in the scene where jimmy talks to his talks with his crime guy on the phone he's gonna handle it he's gonna get that money don't worry tomorrow he says, or he doesn't say tomorrow night. No, he doesn't know, he doesn't know when But at this point, yet. he does seem to think the will's going to get read really soon. I mean, it's been it a long be. time. So he um, so he goes to see uh, Sandy. That's whose house he was outside of. And he's like, I thought he was at his own house. So I like folded my notes weirdly. Anyway, he's like, hey, Sandy, Julie sucked. I'm sorry about 
things. And Sandy's like, oh, dude, I know you can't control Julie. All right, you did. <laughs> I feel like you're here for another reason. May I have... Oh, no, he doesn't ask for money. He asks for he information wants a, about when the will he be, wants, he will says, be read. He says, hey, you're a lawyer. We're waiting on a lawyer. Can you figure out when the will will be read? And Sandy is instantly suspicious. Yep. All right, this is where we find out the Seth got wedgie. That's sort of like a, a by side so- thing. By sophomores. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I don't get it's, it's the same reason why everybody seems to hate Ryan so much. But you know who seems to hate this group the most? Dean Jack Hess. Jack Hess is the Dean of Discipline, also apparently helping out the drama club. Yeah, he's the faculty uh, supervisor, I guess. Because he <laughs> sees Summer and Seth, who are doing nothing. Yeah, like, like, they're doing nothing to draw attention to themselves. Then he just walks up and is like, hey, uh, you two need to help me. Um, he, he, does, he, does this is weird? He also throws a little bit taunting me, like, oh, I see, like, you know, you're not with your, you know, Marissa and Ryan aren't here. <laughs> oh, you don't have any friends, you losers. Yeah, you gotta help, you gotta help with uh, South Pacific, or else I will kick you out of the school, is effectively what he says. And Summer's like, absolutely not, because Taylor Townstead is also the president of the drama club, and I refuse. And as if saying the name of the devil makes them appear, Taylor Townsend appears up. And Aaron? <laughs> okay, yeah, I know there's definitely something going on there. Cause she I told you! <laughs> and also, I, I have to imagine everyone knows she is the least she has subtle no subtlety about it. she like so she walks up and is like oh here you guys going to help and they're like no and then she does like this honest like full sexy pout to jack has it he goes uh, uh, oh you're, uh. you're gonna help oh, yeah, you, you better help or or you're gonna or you're also gonna find that you're gonna be getting kicked out of school i'm like you're a real bad teacher we also learned some things that fill me with rage a the play they're doing is south pacific yeah Decent play, good songs. Yeah. Mm, very racist. <laughs> yes. Written in the 1950s. Mm. Has a song called You've Got to Be Carefully Taught. Mm. Sung by the male lead. Mm. To explain why he has two Polynesian children. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Taylor Townstead <laughs> is the director and also the writer of this play because it's such a good play, but she made it better. So- now, I hope... Because I love Taylor Townsend, <laughs> that she rewrote the play to remove the racism, <laughs> or or she's like, man, I really like this play. Wish it was more racist. She says she deleted a character though, so she must have made it less racist. <laughs> this this character was not racist enough. <laughs> I've replaced it with a more. I love Taylor. I refuse to believe this. Oh, that's fair. Look, Even though she is definitely sleeping with Dean Jackass. Oh, very much so, and does not know how to be chill about it. Kevin, she's never had anything good in her life. Well, speaking of no chill. Jimmy Cooper and Julie Cooper are at a restaurant again. What does Jimmy do while he's off camera? Because he just comes in and like force, like pushes his mouth against hers. And then is like, let's get married right now. And Julie's like, ah. Like, I don't know what is his thing. But you know what? He talks her into it. They're going to get married on Saturday, which is an indeterminate length of time away I think from. It's, I think it's two days. Because they, cause they said, because later they say the will reading is tomorrow, and I don't think there's a day between that. But it's hard to tell. There actually could have been days. Because Sandy in the next scene yeah. goes to visit Kirsten, and he's like, the will reading is on Friday. I guess, yeah. She would say, he said tomorrow. So maybe, yeah. it was, maybe it's Wednesday. Yeah. Anyway, he talks her into it, and she's like, ooh, understated, subtle, breakfast wedding. Love it. And he, she's also like, uh, what if we take a honeymoon on the boat? <gasps> Jimmy, what if we take our children on our honeymoon? 
Jimmy, what if we never come back? Are there good schools in Hawaii? Now, here's here's the problem I'm having with Julie Cooper in this scene and in uh, some this later. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, and it's she, look, there's a lot of things with Julie Cooper that we have to talk that we might have to talk about and have a lot a lot of deep discussions about. Mostly, I want to know: Does she put a K at the beginning of Hawaii? Because I swear she said Kauai, which would be like Kuwait. Isn't Kauai a town? Is it an island? Uh oh, guys, we've never been to Hawaii. We're Canadian, <laughs> but like, but like, it sounds like the problem is that, that it sounds very similar to Hawaii. So that's the only thing. Like, is she saying Kauai? No, I do think Kauai is a place. It's like K U A I. Okay, so I mean, th- I know there's there's something like that, but I didn't think it was pronounced Kauai. I'm sure she's saying Kauai. She Kauai. Yeah, she says Kauai. <laughs> so you know, what? it's Julie. I'm giving know. her the benefit of the doubt, but I might be wrong. So as you said, Sandy went to go see uh, Kirsten the, to tell her about the will being read. And uh, Charlotte is just, like, real awkward all over everything. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of Charlotte this episode. A lot of Charlotte business. She's, like, evil-eyeing, awkward at Sandy. And then Sandy, when Sandy invites Kirsten to the will reading, and she's like, yeah, I think I would like that. However, I'm kind of, like feeling nervous because my best friend almost relapsed last night (laughs) well also my best friend has been telling me these stories that sometimes you can think you hit rock bottom but there's deeper to go and i'm like oh god and uh it turns out that charlotte has been eavesdropping on this conversation and sandy sees it see that like the way that charlotte is betraying herself to um kirsten is like the person who says i'm a realist not a pessimist and i'm like (laughs) yeah yeah, you really are. That's why you only see the bad things. <laughs> different things, different things. Like, like, yeah, that seems to be the, the way that Charlotte's doing it. Except for Kirsten's like, oh, yeah, no, you are just a realist. The world is terrible, and soon I will relapse. Thank God I have you, my constantly relapsing friend, to help me. To tell me I'm going to relapse <laughs> and <laughs> tell me that relapse is... Like, Charlotte offers her nothing. Yeah, well, essentially, all, Charlotte's entire plan here is I will make Kirsten doubt herself and everything around her so... I mean, a lot of people use gaslighting for a lot of, like, weird terms. It's supposed to to make you doubt your sanity and doubt your reality. Mm -hmm. This is the closest to gaslighting, (laughs) like, I've seen. I've seen it a long time. Because this literally is making, like, without saying anything specific, she's just putting doubt into Kirsten. She's she's saying things like, um, like, when Kirsten's uh, talking, she's like, like, oh, I don't know if I, you know, want to even, uh, like, accept that my father once existed. She does say that. But... The thing is, I feel like Charlotte is not offering anything to Kirsten I mean, no. to make herself an appealing option. No, she's just she's just making her seem like she's the only option. That's true. Which is which is which is where that abusiveness comes from. Is that that's it's not that, it's not that Charlotte is the best option. She's the only option. Because what if she fails in front of her family? Unfortunately, Charlotte doesn't know Sandy well enough. Sandy's presence is all that Kirsten needs. <laughs> true. Anyway, Kirsten's going to think about it. She doesn't know if she wants to go to the Will Wheaton reading. She'll decide. Yeah. She doesn't know if she, if she likes Will Wheaton. <laughs> Basically the same. Basically what she said. Uh, so uh, Marissa and Ryan make out. This is going to be a common theme. We're going to constantly come to scenes where it's Marissa and Ryan making out. But then Julie Cooper comes in and there's some fun hijinks where the door is locked and Marissa Julie- pretends to be a jerk. Julie Cooper says something that I cannot believe, which is we do not lock doors in this house. And I refuse to believe that Julie Cooper doesn't lock her her bedroom door. Oh, I also, like, clicked on that right away. <laughs> like, well, Kurt, like, I, I imagine Marissa coming and be like, Mom, your door's locked. And she's like, I'm sleeping. <laughs> okay, Mom. 
I also liked how Marissa was like, oh, I didn't know it was locked. <laughs> yeah, accidentally you locked the door. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's a whole thing there, and that's where Julie says they're going to move to Hawaii or Kauai, wherever it is. And I guess Caitlin's After they get married on them. Saturday, by the way. After they get married on Saturday. Right. <laughs> and Caitlin is also coming with them, yeah. which seems like they threw away a lot of money that Caleb paid for Caitlin's tuition. Yeah, whatever happening there. Cool scene. Uh, Ryan has an interesting plan. <laughs> he thinks... That despite the last conversation he had with Sandy, he thinks that he could convince Sandy to allow Marissa to move into the house, which is not incorrect because she has moved in several times before. Yeah, I know. But I like him going in based off of the last time he spoke to Sandy, which was you you and Marissa should have some space. I listened to what you said, Sandy. Maybe instead, just maybe listen to me here. Maybe zero space. The opposite. (laughs) <laughs> what if we did the opposite? What if she was so close? I mean, uh, Seth's ongoing suggestions of, if we just run away and get arrested. <laughs> I do love his half-baked adolescent schemes. So he heads off to talk with Sandy with a bagel in his hand and hope in his heart. Short scene. Summer explains to Marissa that she will physically restrain her from moving. And Marissa's like, dude... I think if I'm fine with this. One thing that defines me, it's wanting my family to be together. And this has been an ongoing character trait since season one. <laughs> Just, despite the fact that there's no reason my family should be together. My family is very bad, but I want it. My family is four rockets firing in separate directions. Also, her family isn't together. Caitlin wasn't there. But Caitlin is going to move oh, to Hawaii. Oh, you're right. So I guess Caitlin is coming to Hawaii with them. So that was, And also, I get my sister back at her fight club. Summer. It's real thrilling. You don't even know. The adrenaline you feel in your heart when those boys are fighting. (laughs) I don't fight, obviously, but the boys, they fight. They fight for her honor. So, I'm going to go. And Summer's like, uh, I I have nothing. Uh, And do another scene where Jimmy smashes his face against Julie's. Yeah, uh, it's a thing. They kiss on the boat. Julie leaves to go to catering. Once again, what happens to Jimmy off screen where, where he's just like, yeah, is he, I feel like he's doing cocaine off screen. Because he comes in with the energy and hope of a man way beyond his station. Maybe he is. That would explain where the money went. Because I refuse to believe he, <laughs> spent, he spent it on stocks again. Again. He just did the same thing again. Well, it doesn't matter where it went because creepy guy comes in and is continuing to be creepy he is so much taller than i expected him to be well he's always sitting down at that bar i thought he was gonna be like a short rotund rotund man no but he's tall and blonde and i kept looking at him being like are you the same man did we recast actors between episodes no it's still him we didn't but and he's still he's still vaguely threatening I mean, I, I understand the idea there is that Jim it's supposed to imply that Jimmy knows what he's capable of, but it also do, also just come of, comes off of this guy just being like, "Well, it's just you don't know what's going to happen, Jimmy." I refuse to believe that Jimmy Cooper was dumb enough to get in the hole with mafia, but this guy seems yes, to be is, mafia. Is this guy? This guy is he Hawaiian mafia? He's white guy mafia. I mean, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I don't know where he like. He's Jimmy, Scandinavian he's mafia. Like, like Jimmy came from Hawaii. So I don't know how this guy, I don't know why this guy is just some white dude from Hawaii. (laughs) Who follows him around. (laughs) Follows him around. Anyway, this is it. 
this is it. The last, last chance, Jimmy Cooper. Well, he says, no, nah, don't worry. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy's in the high, high spirits. The willow ring's going to be tomorrow. He's going to get married. He loves Julie. <laughs> There's one thing we know about Jimmy. It's that he loves Julie. Yeah. Yeah. Not Haley, who's good for him. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, Ryan goes to see Sandy. And he- we actually see Sandy. Sorry. When Ryan left, he said, is Sandy in his office? And I assumed that was elsewhere in the house. But no, Sandy is at the Newport Group doing new Newport Group stuff. Sandy has an office, by the way. Remember, he's the beach lawyer. But he's not doing lying right now. No. He's no. doing Newport grouping. <laughs> the fact that Ryan said it's his office means this has been going on for a while. Uh, Ryan delivers the bagel. Sandy wants a three-point plan about how Ryan's going to get his life together. But Sandy's surprisingly receptive, and he says it's mostly because talking with Kirsten has made him sentimental. Well, Ryan just... uh, Ryan, Sandy just remembered, sometimes you don't want a teenager to move into your house, but then they move into your house. Yeah. And then you love them. Yeah, and he's like, like, you know what, Ryan tends to know what he's doing, honestly. He's a (laughs) grown-up. He is an adult, is the thing. (laughs) He is Sandy's second dad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Phone ab- call. after this, he calls Kirsten. And she says, I was just thinking about you and how excited I am to come to the Will reading on Friday. I'm like, yes, Kirsten, please see your family. Good. Your please. son misses you so much. Please take steps forward. Look at what Ryan's doing. But unfortunately, Charlotte, who is always just around the corner. It's important to point that in mind. Charlotte always exists just around the corner. Where, wherever that corner is and wherever you are, Charlotte is just around it. And then she steps around and she's like... But Kirsten, your dad might have a surprise for you. Yeah, who are you doing this for? Are you doing it for you? But it seems like you're doing it for your husband. And Kirsten's like, no, I'm doing it for me. Or are you doing it for your father? He's dead. I'm doing it for me. Well, may you just don't know, Kirsten. Who are you doing it for? And Kirsten's like, Sandy explicitly said he doesn't care if I go, and he will go in my steed. He just gave me the option. Yeah, then Charlotte, like, stands over her, like, leans in and is like, but are you doing it for them? And Kirsten's like, definitely me. Well, I I just hope you'll think on it. I see nothing wrong with this conversation we're having right now, Charlotte. (laughs) I'm glad we're such good friends. This seems normal. <laughs> I'm glad you support me by questioning my every move. Just make sure you do it for you. And then she just fades away back around the corner. And the Kirsten's like, I am. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the kids are setting up for South Pacific. And Taylor is berating Summer and Seth about how they're bad at building a tiki hut <laughs> while <laughs> also flirting with Dean Jack Hess. <laughs> She is sending him, like, sex eyes. Like, uh, like, like winking at him and, like, sticking her tongue out. And, and just like, yes. It's crazy. But he just started, like, looking at her cage and just be like, stop, dude, stop. And I cannot, you, stop. I cannot believe that Summer Roberts, of all characters, does not pick up on this nonsense. Well, well Summer, Summer Roberts was holding on to, like, the top of a, of a hut with all disguise. She couldn't see what was going on. Oh, Taylor, you're going to get found out. But also, he's talking, like, he's legitimately helping out with this. Yeah. Like, which means he, which means he's sleeping with this high school student. And she was like, also, can you help me out with my play? I just want to reiterate something about high schools. Yeah. Children, teenage students, do not direct 
the school musical. No, it the, regardless of what Riverdale and the OC wants you to think, <laughs> the drama teacher will do that. Yeah, no, the the, the person who's it, they'll usually have like a essentially a, like the director assistant who is a student. Yeah, to learn about directing. Yeah, which is maybe what Taylor is. <laughs> which maybe what she's actually doing. But they're and, also wasting. Which means Jack Hess is the director. And they're also wasting their valuable rehearsal time yelling at stage crew and moving things about. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, she she is mean to Summer and Seth after that. And Summer unleashes the untold double skank, which <laughs> is where she both begins and ends her sentence with the word skank. But to point out, Taylor does tell them that they are the biggest losers. They are not cool. The only person who was ever cool was Marissa. It's very unprompted. Yeah, it comes from nowhere because they're nice before that. And then, and then Jack comes over because he hears the double skank. He's, he's like, like, whoa, two skanks? Come on, one I could get away with, but two guys? I'm trying to be nice here. And then Taylor fake cries. And he's like, if you make my girlfriend fake cry again, I'm going to kick you out of school. And I feel like now Summer should have caught on to something. With the fake crying and the kicking out of school threats? Yeah, and Jack has defending his girlfriend's honor. Yeah. Yeah. Summer's smart. All right. Uh, well, Ryan, he, so he's all excited because he's going. Marissa's going to stay with him. But see, there's one problem to his plan. Marissa doesn't want to stay. <laughs> he has not talked to Marissa about it. He has just wandered off and been like, I'll figure this out on my own. Um, in my ongoing search of respective heights of characters, because this scene goes the way you expect. Yeah. Ryan is now taller than Marissa. Yeah. Last episode, shorter than. <laughs> um, maybe he's saying on an apple box. Maybe she was saying on an apple box. So many apple boxes. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, he, the thing is that, I think in the scene also talking about if she's taller than him, wasn't she leaning against the wall? So maybe she was being lifted up slightly? When she was taller than him, they were kissing on the lifeguard yeah stand. which has a yeah i know because they show that scene in the opening previously on yeah in the previous no on the previously on in the opening credits oh. that is ben mckenzie's like scene Moment. from the thing oh he kisses marissa yeah Ooh, anyway so. ryan is sad because he kind of thinks marissa's leaving but we understand how tv shows work yeah and and this goes right into the boys having their morning and it's, it's a testament to how much they don't want to ruin Ryan's character by having to just be like, well, I'm sad about her, her going, but I can't keep her here if she doesn't want to stay here. And then Seth's like, maybe you could make a blog or do some video chat. Then she can keep up with you. Yeah, for your long-distance relationship. I'm glad they actually didn't have him do the, well, now I've got to do something to make her stay. He's just like, well, if she wants to leave, then... I mean, I wanted to leave once. Sometimes it happens. I want to leave pretty much once a season. And then Sandy's like... Maybe you should do something nice for her before she goes. And Ryan's like, hmm, here's my motivation for the rest of the episode. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, we live with that Seth misses his mom. And, and Sadie's like, I know you miss your mom. I miss my mom, too. I mean, your mom, too. I can't, I can't make her come, Seth. I can't make her arrive. <laughs> yeah, it's a little it's a little thing. But it's actually kind of sweet. I'm trying. I'm trying, buddy. Hey, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. What made you happy this week? Um, this week, I am delighted by thoughtful, small things that other people do for you. Yeah. For instance, we had this whole situation about Friday night. Yeah. So me and Brian and Darcy, you know, our guest stars who've been on this ep- on this podcast before. Yeah. 
Brian officially and Darcy in the background. No, Darcy has been on the podcast when we did our D&D oh, episode. Oh, right. She was, our, she was our... I keep forgetting when we did that episode. You always forget about she, it. She was our DM, yes. Um, we were all supposed to go to an event on Friday, and sometimes they're bad at buying tickets to things, so I didn't want to buy my ticket until they bought theirs, and then yeah. they bought theirs, but then it was sold out. Yeah. And then Brian kept trying to offer me his ticket so that me and Darcy could go as a girls' night. Aww. And then I was like, well, I'll, go, I'll get on a wait list, but then there was no movement on the wait list, and then I was like, okay, well, you know what? I don't want to steal your ticket, so you guys go. I will hang out with Claire tonight, and then they gave their tickets to me and Claire, and then I came over tonight to record the podcast, and Brian was like... I know you like to have an alcohol when you're podcasting, so um, there's an Okanagan cider in the fridge that you can have if you want. It's pretty good. Aww. So just, you know, when people are aware of what's going on in your life, and it just makes me happy. Yeah. Kevin, what brought you joy this week? Um, honestly, it's just that uh, this morning we went, it was, it's Father's Day today, we're recording. It is Father's Day. Um, and we just went out for breakfast this morning, and that was nice, because it's been a while since I've gone out for like breakfast that... Uh, like Denny's, something like that, and that's always a fun thing. I don't know why. I like I like going to breakfast restaurants. Restaurant breakfast is real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what we could do? Think yeah. about this. I have Tuesday off work, and me and mom are going to go see a movie at twelve fifty. Yeah. But we could go to like a fancier breakfast restaurant. What, like IHOP? <laughs> yes, like IHOP. You and I could go to IHOP since I didn't take you for wings last week. <laughs> I consider it a fancy breakfast. I know you said you probably referred to like, like Cora's or something. I was referring to like Reds or Diner Deluxe. Oh, like Reds. Local. I haven't been to Reds in a while. Yeah. Reds. Okay. Remember the time we went there and I had a, I had a Caesar with Anson Mount? No. <laughs> you mean you had a Caesar and, and Anson Mount was not the next table over? I do remember that. He also had a Caesar. He we also had a Caesar, had a Caesar together. Caesar. Yeah. <laughs> That's back when they were doing Hell on Wheels here. Oh, man. Hell on Wheels. That yeah. everyone was on. You, I, Brian. I mean, it's it's... It's like Heartland, where everyone who's worked in the Calgary film industry has worked on Heartland. Mm-hmm. 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 So, back at the old cabin, Kristen's like, I'm excited to move forward with my life. And this is where Charlotte does that thing where she's like, well, it's just, you know, if if you want to, I can come with you. I can, I can be there, and then we can go, and we could be together afterwards. And Kristen's like, no, I'm excited to move forward with my life. And I guess this insults Charlotte because she's like, "Well, it's just that from what you told me about your dad, he's go- he's clearly planning a surprise for you. I just hope it's a good one." And Kristen's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get in this town car I ordered now." And what what a great thing for a sociopath like Charlotte to say because it's the sort of thing that if you say it and it comes true, you seem like some sort of like. Like, like a demigod? Yeah, some sort of like, oh, she knows exactly what's going on. But if it doesn't happen, the thing is that, like, you're still going to a will reading. You're supposed to get something from a will. So you're still going to have a, a surprise a of surprise. some sort. So, she, so, yeah, she really set herself up to be... A demigod. Yeah. All right. Uh, so this... So this scene really confused me. I think because I did not understand when uh, when Sandy said... Well, you should do something nice to her before she leaves. That Summer and Seth would obviously be involved. There is definitely a missing scene. Um, I, I got that, like, the intrigue, the black ops... Well, I mean, let's explain what's happening in the scene rather than explaining what's happening around this scene. So Summer and Seth are painting the set. Yeah. 
And they're talking about a black ops plan that they have and how it has to be secret. No, no one can overhear them yeah. talking about they're it. They're doing something. They're planning. Something's going on. And then Taylor is like, excuse me, how dare you have secrets? Well, you'll, you'll get in trouble for what? And they're like, uh, for being for talking ta- instead of painting. Talking about painting. Yeah, yeah. Screw you, Taylor. And then she turns away and they keep talking. And it seems very clear she can still hear them. Yeah. I know. They, they were planning something and I could not figure out what it was. <laughs> I also did not – I should have known what they were going to do. But I, but once I'm, I saw it, I was like, oh, But duh. I'm glad I'm not the only one who's like, what are they – Where this seems unprompted. Well, I knew they were involved with Ryan's plan for Marissa only because there's no other storylines going on. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. Like, But I didn't know what they were doing either. I, mean, I didn't I didn't know specifically what they were doing. That's sort of the point of the scene. Yeah. But all right, now let's get to the will reading. And we actually have kind of like a cute, sweet moment where Julie and Jimmy and Kirsten and Sandy like hug and catch up and everyone's in pretty good spirits. And Julie like completely normalizes <laughs> the uh, rehab, which I think is actually a really good thing for Kirsten. And she says, maybe I should go to rehab. You I'm look like, beautiful. And I'm like, maybe she should go to rehab. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so uh, then the lawyer comes in and he, he explains. He tries to give some of a eulogy. And Julie's having none of it. And then he leads with what Caleb wanted was to split his fortune equally between his daughters and his wife. I, I wonder this one would also clarify that Marissa is one of his daughters, so. No. No, you don't. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe. <laughs> no, I have to imagine that's not the, that he just said that to refer to Haley and uh, Kirsten. And, and not, Lindsay. And Lin- oh, and Lindsay. So, so I don't think Marissa was going to get part abortion of it, and I and mean, for, Caitlin. Uh, that's true. I have, I'm imagining that that family is folded up within Julie, though. Who knows? I, if there's one thing that I, I like to imagine Caleb would do is one last troll before he was <laughs> forgotten from this world. He was like, All is, my daughters <laughs> is, to, is to give Julie, Marissa, and Caitlin the same amount of money. <laughs> and Julie's like, like that is her money. She's, she's not allowed to touch it until she turns 18? 21? Who 21. knows? Whoever, whenever trust funds work. Well, right. uh, Julie is excited because she's going to get the same amount of money as Kirsten. But, oh no, it turns out uh, Caleb is like most other rich people who aren't ultra rich, but just rich. Completely broke. He's actually broke. <laughs> I don't love this. I feel like this is... It feels kind of like a cop-out. Yeah, it feels like a real cop-out. Like, Apparently, r- r- he's been taking out second mortgages and borrowing all this money to leverage into the company. I, and I feel like Kirsten should have known. As the yeah. CFO, she should not be blindsided by this. No, I, I feel like it would have been... It, it would have been, I guess, a better ending for him. Like, if you really wanted to give him a some form of redemption is have his thing be like i donated all this money to the kids and they don't get it until and give it to all the kids including ryan that would have given him the redemption that would have been cool yeah yeah um and if not that like that might have been too big but the thing is you put those put that years away and it's literally they can't touch it and then you don't have to worry about doing a storyline about it yeah because the point of the storyline yeah is that julie doesn't get any money yeah and I and I think it would have been almost nicer if that instead of it being like, oh no, it turns out Caleb was a screw up. Instead, it's like Caleb absolutely was not a screw up. If there was one thing Caleb was, <laughs> they kept saying that he was like a business genius, and this just puts the final nail in the coffin that he was not. He was a bad criminal and a bad businessman. I always thought he was bad at crime, good at business. I always thought that was the thing too. 
So uh, I I don't like this turn. This seems dumb. This seems yeah. It 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 seems like there are better ways to have this gone off that would have like said different things that I like better. Even if if he was just like in his final day, he decided that he would actually donate all his money to dolphins. <laughs> He sat on the pier and he looked at them and he was like, oh, they're so majestic. Yeah, like that's, I guess maybe they wanted to do that because they want, they didn't want maybe they Julie to come in and start trying to be like, oh no, but here are all these other scheming things I'll try to do. But they could just have her not do that. Yeah, they're the writers. They can do whatever they want. They could have had to be like, no, like they could be like, Julie, that's impossible. You can't do it. Instead of her just being like, no, I didn't. Or he could have filed those divorce papers before he died. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, that would have been a real... He faxed them in so they yeah. counted. Because let's be clear, this will reading is only for Julie because Kirsten and them are fine. I mean, I guess Kirsten does get some habits because he gives her a letter. And she walks out. Yeah. She's like, absolutely not. Yeah, but most of the will reading is for Julie and I guess Jimmy some way. Jimmy's freaking out. Yeah. And, um, all, and all they needed was to not get money. Exactly. Yeah. And Kirsten still could have gotten the le- I mean, he had the wherewithal to send the letter. He could have changed the will while he sent the letter. Yeah. But he, anyway. said he, he said he sent a letter on the day that he died. So Kirsten's all upset because it was the day that she said he would die alone. And, and he says, she says, Charlotte was right. Charlotte was right. I can't be here right now. And then he's like, well, open the letter and find out what it is. Let me be here with you. I love you. <laughs> She's like, no, I can't. I have to leave. Ah. And I was wondering why she was walking up to a car with the door open, but I have realized since then that very smartly she was not driving. She hired a driver. <laughs> for she knew her emotions would be emotions. <laughs> which which is going to make some funny connotations later. Mm. Uh, so we move essentially straight from that to Jimmy to Julie and Jimmy having some drinks. And Julie is... She's she's upset, obviously, but she's a little bit chipper because, you know, we still have your business in Hawaii and we'll be rolling in in a yacht. And she's kind of like, you know, I know we're going to be poor-er, yeah. but secure. We're going to be secure. You make me feel safe, Jimmy. You know what Jimmy's like? Oh, God, I just I I got to go. And it's like, I, I got to leave. And she's like, you leaving? It's like, oh, I was, you know, we shouldn't see each other before the wedding. It's a bad luck. So I have a question. <laughs> yeah. She still owns that house. Um, and I, I understand there are two mortgages against it, but he's paid off some of the cap, some of the principal on the house. Yeah, she could sell that palace and s- still probably have like a hundred, hundred grand. Maybe houses seem transcendental in this show, don't they? Yeah, people just come upon houses. Some houses are there, and then they're gone, and then they appear again, and then like I'm, Consider- I'm, considering how their main, some of their main characters are like real estate people, I it does sometimes feel like there's just. I still feel like houses. she could sell that house and not be destitute. I mean, I, maybe he was. The, I think. I think he might still be in debt. So that's the thing. I think she also uh, so might. She has have, to pay off the debt. Yeah. So maybe I think they essentially are taking the house. I think the reason it took so long for the will to be read is because they were essentially just seeing how much actually debt there was, which it was. It seems really screwy on Caleb not to like that his daughter had no idea of any of that. Well. What the lawyer seems to imply is that he was so in debt that he was borrowing all this money to bolster the company. Yeah. And I just, I can't believe that Kirsten wouldn't know that. Yeah. Especially how she, how she did all the work of the company. Does this mean that the company's now going to fold? Because. Which is a lot more things. 
Well, especially how Kirsten does do all the work of the company. That's kind of a screw you to her. Yeah, remember when he disappeared for a long time and she had to do everything? <laughs> like, she would know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah, she he he almost went to jail. She should have had access to everything. So, that, that also kind of implies that she's bad at her job. And I refuse to believe, I that, refuse Kirsten to believe that Kirsten is bad, is bad at her job. Her job. So right. we have some short, short scenes. Marissa's doing some packing. She's she's thoughtful and yeah. she's reminiscing, but she's not sad. Yeah. And Ryan comes in. He's like, hey, I get it. I also love my family. <laughs> Can we go have fun for 24 hours? And Marissa's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sandy calls Charlotte, who is... Smoking do- and drinking. Doing some weird, like, lounging on the couch. And she's still <laughs> drinking from her flask, also her which c- is weird. Also, her cigarette is not lit. Yeah. <laughs> but she keeps on treating it like it is. <laughs> So, so, um, so he, Sandy says, "Oh, she left," but Charles like, "Oh, she didn't return." And I kind of thought she was lying. I thought so too <laughs> because she really like stabs and twists the knife by being like, "I told her not to go." She said she wasn't ready. She said she was only going for you. No, yeah, specific, yeah, specifically what it is is that she says like, "Oh, she she was so scared before she left." And then <laughs> I'm just like, "How long is free is that?" Charlotte's really happy that Kirsten might be off somewhere drinking, dr- drinking, and potentially driving. And, like, Charlotte is not accommodating for the fact that Kirsten <laughs> might blame Charlotte for this. Mm, no, Charlotte is confident that this won't be her fault. Because she didn't want her to go, remember? And she said there would be a surprise. Ooh. Ooh. And she also said, you think there's rock bottom, but then there's lower. You'll always find lower, unless if you're with me. Then I'll show you the real rock bottom. <laughs> me. <laughs> I, does she just want to drink like have like have a drinking sex buddy with Kirsten because she's definitely not going to keep up the the illusion the illusion when so she wants Kirsten to relapse and then them just to live their alcohol based like Sid vicious and whoever was that woman Sid and Nancy Sid and Nancy like is that is that her is that her plan maybe hard to tell hard know, she's, to tell the point is she's real happy about Kirsten going missing. So Summer and Seth and Ryan and Marissa are out at the diner. They're having dinner. And then Summer and Seth are like, ooh, we're so tired. We have to leave. There's a reason they're not in the play. <laughs> so I have a quest. I am troubled by this scene. Yeah. Because they leave, I assume, to go set up the surprise. However, Ryan and Marissa leave immediately. No, I think essentially they just left to, like leave yeah to be like oh well now we all go home right but marissa wanted to finish her dinner Mm, and also if ryan wanted to give her a great 24 hours shouldn't she also hang out with her friends who she loves no only ryan okay (laughs) only ryan so the plan continues and turns out what they did is that they stole the set from south pacific and moved it to the beach and it's super romantic and full of candles And, uh, and not obviously visible from a distance away well, I assume it's that one beach they always go to. Maybe just Summer and Seth are uh, got out there to shoo away all of the, like... <laughs> no, this is a romantic place. Thing. And so now they're just, like, watch walking the perimeter all night. <laughs> because, spoiler alert, Ryan and Marissa do just spend the night there. It's true. Unless this is the beach that's attached to the mansion. Mm, maybe. Maybe. But you'd think she would look out her window and be like, there's some people putting down tiki torches on the beach. <laughs> maybe that has something to do with me. <laughs> So let's uh, pick up with Jimmy, who is definitely getting out of town. He has on a baseball cap and is carrying a duffel. But unfortunately, a creepy guy shows up and he brought his creepy friends. And he brought his creepy black car, which he creepy makes Jimmy get into. 
he's he's really like heartfelt like Jimmy. I'm really sorry about this. which I think actually works really well to make him creepy. Yeah, that he's like Jim, Jimmy. I'm really sorry, but we're gonna have to beat the living hell out of you. And Jimmy's like, well, this is the OC. You just punch me once, and my daughter's cotillion, and then we're done. No, nah, we're gonna punch you a lot, and I knew they weren't gonna kill him because you don't kill people who owe you money because then you don't get money. Although, I'm confused, but we won't quite get there yet. We have a montage. And it's a montage that goes between a few things. There's Ryan and Marissa kissing. It's very romantic. (laughs) And we learn, we learn, we learn that Ryan and Marissa have never had sex. Have they? No! Ryan says it. He says, are you sure you want to do this? We've done a lot of things, but not this. And if we do this, it will make it hard for you to leave. Oh, I completely... I thought you said well, this will make it hard for you to leave by, by, being, by being like, if we, do it, if we do it this one last time. Wow. Okay, I refuse to believe that was in the script before this, because... <laughs> they have done so many things, Kevin. I mean... He says we've done a lot of things, but not this. I mean, I guess. What I just, else can he be I just assume to? they just weren't going to show us that sex scene. I assume they've done it a bunch of times. Maybe, maybe they're going to play Scrabble. Maybe, maybe maybe that's the thing they've never done. Maybe it's, it's, it, it would make it hard for her to leave because he knows that, that uh, she's a sore winner, so she's just lord over him all the time. I also liked in the scene when they were making out and the Marissa was like, I can't. It's too much. There's been too much time. Oh, yeah. Tur- and runs out the door. Oh, yeah. It turns out Marissa, Marissa, that whole, like, Marissa leaving the middle of their makeout sessions is now a fun inside joke. Marissa has a sense of humor. Who knew? So, uh... uh intercut with this. Is, is Marissa's dad just getting punched in the ocean? They bring him under the pier, and then they bring him, I mean, to, you know, temporarily drown him. But mostly he's just getting punched in the ocean. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering if they don't want him to die, why they're beating him up in the ocean so much. Well, to scare him. I mean, Jimmy Cooper is a wuss. Do you want him to almost drown? He's going to drown. Well, well, there's three of them there, and I'm sure one of them is CPR. That's why the one guy's on on shore. He's keeping watch. Oh, the creepy guy. He's the first aider. Yeah, he's like, don't, (laughs) he's walking to Jimmy, like, Jimmy, I I have first aid. Am I allowed to touch you? (laughs) He's like, ah, I'm going to do it anyway. I don't know why I asked. I, I take that as consent. I take that as consent. And then just starts compressions. <laughs> Getting all the water out of his lungs. Yeah, no, Jimmy will be fine. Uh, then that's intercut with uh, Sandy trying to get Kirsten. And Kirsten going to buy vodka. At the sketchiest liquor store. Which, And then later she goes to... A sketchy I, motel. Yeah. Where's the driver? He drove her to the motel, and now he's sitting in the car being like, I'm going to make so much <laughs> money I, on this night. Should I call someone? You you think that he doesn't know about Kirsten? I guess maybe he's just like, like I know she's an alcoholic, but I'm not allowed to... He probably doesn't know she's an alcoholic. You don't You don't think that's... A, she, like... The, Do you think she told him? Well, no, but they always imply that, like, this city, word gets around, and she's the daughter of Caleb Nichols. Yeah, but she hired him from the cabin in the Andronics. Oh, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, maybe. Anyway... Um, and and I and it actually is very dramatic when um, Kirsten's deciding whether or not to start drinking again. But there's this one camera movement which made me laugh, and I kind of feel bad about it. <laughs> but when she's sitting on the bed, and then it does this like slow pan, and it's so far away, and it's so dramatic, and then it's just cut to this vodka ball, then cut out, and reveals that she essentially rented a room like one would rent with a prostitute. But it's a really big prostitute room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but she has just a bottle like. Here's the thing, nothing is set up this way. She set it up that way. She moved a table away from the wall. The furthest away this table could possibly be. So she has to take, like, seven steps to get to it. Yeah, like, it's not a... It's not, 
it, it was this 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 scene was set is what I'm saying. And don't get me wrong, it is very dramatic and it is very serious, but it's also kind of funny. So the next morning, Marissa and Ryan wake up on the beach, and it's so cute, and then Marissa gets a phone call. Oh, it's from her dad. And he looks <laughs> actually pretty good. Oh, really? For what I thought he would look like, I thought he'd be in traction. It's, I'm I'm pretty sure it's all rib Because remember, she hugs him. He's like, oh, no ribs. Oh, that's true. He's like, I think he should be in the hospital, but he is like, I have to leave, but she, I wanted to call you. And she's like, Dad? <laughs> Dad, I can see you and your face, so... You clearly have something going on here. So I'm going to assume, yeah, you have to leave. But you are not doing this to me again. You are not coming back to the OC, Dad. No, no. No, no. I mean, that's that's fair. I don't think he wants to come back. I just reminded the last time he left, he left because, like, Marissa, it's really hard being your father. So I'm not going to be it, but I love you. Goodbye. So, yeah, no, get out of here, Jimmy. Yeah, you're a bad dad. And he's like... Here's a ring for you to he, give to your mom. He does say he's a bad dad. <laughs> yeah, he tries to go into this whole spiel. He's like, Marissa, look, I've been a terrible father. And she's like, don't give me a speech. Just leave. Absolutely not. <laughs> give leave. me that ring. I'm getting out of here. Uh, meanwhile, also waking up, Charlotte is woken up. And she thinks that it's uh, Kirsten, Kirsten coming home. But it's just this strange woman. Who says, hey, the family who owns this cabin is coming back. Earlier than intended. And she's like, no, I paid you for two more weeks. And the woman's like, you paid me for nothing. <laughs> so you can pay me for the two weeks you already had, and you can leave right now. And this, so it seems like the idea here is that, Kurt, that Charlotte essentially, this real estate agent rents out rich people's summer homes. Yeah, which, reasonable. I mean, I, I presume without their knowledge. Yeah, I would think yeah. so. Uh, but yeah, so she rents out people's summer homes for some cash on the side. But she does seem to have some knowledge of Charlotte. So Charlotte's definitely done this before, because she says... <laughs> Do you think you're going back, back out east? east? Then Charlotte decides to leave out the window. So she doesn't have to pay for the two weeks she already stayed there. <laughs> no, I'm going to spend some time at the beach, which I think is alluding to her going to the OC. Now, it will be hilarious when this woman definitely hears Charlotte's car start. <laughs> yeah, I like how she's just like, I'm going to hop out this window and I'm sure I'll get away. Even though this woman knows, knows me. me. She clearly knows me. This is going to get a, I can't wait till she appears and it's creepy to Charlotte and then she comes up. She comes up and it's the same creepy guys. <laughs> I know. They're just hanging around. I gave them like 50 bucks. They, they said, said they'd beat you up. Let's go down to the pier. You that's, know CPR. That's where they do it. <laughs> we beat people by the, by the pier. We give them some CPR. Yeah. It's perfect. We keep them alive. We're heroes, really. <laughs> really? Oh, God. <laughs> All right, uh, so Kirsten, uh, I mean, Kirsten just arrives home. And she's like, hey, Sandy, so um, I was not in a good place yesterday. I bought some vodka. Didn't drink it. We <laughs> went to a motel. Went to a motel. Did nothing. Did nothing. And now I'm here in the morning. Sandy, I want to live my life again. Sandy, I'm tired of hiding. And he's like, maybe we re read the letter together. Yeah, so they read the letter, and of course it's an apology. Yeah, duh, Caleb is one thing, and it's full of redemption arcs. Yeah, that, yeah I mean, he's expecting, like, and then I'll redeem myself again, and that'll give me a good, like, maybe half year before I start being evil again. <laughs> heart, heart, heart! It's like, yes, I die that's, being good! That's why he was sitting there smiling, because he, he, he was like, yeah, I'm on the redemption arc again. 
love it. We do miss the scene where Kirsten goes, "Oh, and by the way, Sandy, we owe th- we owe- we owe that driver out there ten thousand dollars." And Sandy's like, "That's cool." <laughs> Jimmy came to me and I thought he wanted money, but all he wanted was for me to ask when the will be read. So I already have ten thousand dollars in cash. Maybe that man could just live in our house for a little bit. <laughs> Marissa was going to live here, so I got the room all set up. He would like it. Hey, are you a teen? I am a man. <laughs> But, like, are you a man like uh, Trey was a man? Like, could you be a teen? I could be a teen. If someone t- shot you, would they say, oh, she shot that kid? Yeah, probably. All right, come on in. <laughs> All right. And, and then we met the new character, Driver Man. Never gets a name. Dave. Dave the Driver Man. <laughs> um, so we have a short scene where Marissa arrives at the restaurant. She hugs her mom. She gives her mom the ring. And her mom's like, oh, dear God, again. Because this is one thing about this scene. I really, I think Ryan maybe should have stayed outside for this one. You don't think him lurking by the flowers and <laughs> gazing at Julie yeah. helped the scene? Marissa comes in and then Ryan comes after her. And, and <laughs> Julie looks at Ryan like, what? Why is, why is that? Why is that boy I hate here? And Ryan's also like, uh, so, why am I not outside? Yeah, I don't know why Ryan is. I'm like, you know what, you go in. I'll hang out here. And they're like, hey, then we don't have to pay Ben McKenzie today. Awesome. No, instead, he has to be there to stare sadly at the situation that's going on in front of him. Julie and Marissa hug. Julie's like, what are we going to do? And Marissa's like, mom, the only thing I care about is family. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Caitlin's coming back. Ooh. That's what I mean. I think Caitlin's coming back. I think with them out of money now, she's... She can't be at that boarding school. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we we pick up on, I guess, something that we should uh, have accept, expected would happen. Seth and Summer have to return the South Pacific set. And Summer goes outside to get the tiki torches. And Dean Jack Hess immediately materializes out of nowhere. Yeah, the lights go... And there's no way he could have flipped on those lights from where he was. So he just, like, wanders in from the shadows. And I guess Taylor Taylor also has to be there. But, like, why? To what end? What? Seth? They literally stole the tent after school ended yesterday and yeah. returned it today. How does anyone know? I mean, I assume Taylor actually did hear the plan. Though the plan was so vague, I can't imagine. She just knew the time. Who knows? Um, but Jack... I'll give it to Seth. Jack is like, oh, this is, you know, you know you're know, you a thief. You stole property. You know, this thing. And, and Seth's like, all right, fine. Expel me. What do I care? You're a dick. And he's like, no, that's what you want. You want to be with your friend Ryan. <laughs> like, he can see Ryan after school. <laughs> that's like. Jack. You know Ryan lives in my house, right? <laughs> what do you. <laughs> Jack, what is your concept of human life? What do you think people do? What do you think people want? If you're, you can't see him because you're in school and he's not in school. And when you leave school, you stop existing. That's why I'm here. I live in the school. I'm a baby man. I don't have object permanence. So he gives Seth a month's attention, which means that Seth doesn't have to work on the musical, I assume. So yeah. really, it comes out in the yeah, wash. Yeah, I'm sure Seth will be fine with one, mo- one month, to- month of detention. It's not like he's like the cool kid going to parties after school. And who has a party at 4 p.m.? Yeah. So, but then he's like, well, but you know what? Why don't you tell me? You didn't do this by yourself, so why don't you tell me who you worked with? And did Jack Hess walk into the auditorium with his eyes and ears closed? Here's what I'm assuming, because that would be idiotic <laughs> on this show's part. How does he well, not know? And that- also, Se- Jack, you're mean to these children. You know Seth has one friend. 
and it's his girlfriend. And you know your girlfriend told you who was conspiring. So what I imagine this is, is that it's Jack which is essentially, essentially doing, like, a weird... Like, he wants to sow the seeds of discord between yeah. Summer and Seth? Yeah, he's like, why don't you tell me who is with you? And then he doesn't, and he gives him another month of detention. So, yeah, I feel like that's essentially him trying to be like, yes, Seth, I, I know she's standing behind me, but turn on her. Let the hate flow through you. Like, it's this weird gambit he's taking. And Seth's like... I literally don't care about leaving school at 4 p.m. instead of 2.50 p.m. Like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Get I, I love how despite Jack has actually having some sort of, good, like, power over Seth, Seth gives him nothing. And it's the might be one of the most badass moments Seth has where he's just like, just expel me. I don't care, man. You're, you're a jerk. <laughs> he does. He's like... You can't just keep keep kicking kids out of school, Jackass. <laughs> you're a bad person, and I'm not going to give you any leeway. You're a bad person. You're a bad dean, and your masters is useless. And as much as here's like as much as I I expect Jackass's upcomings upcomings will come through between either Marissa or Ryan. I really want Seth, or maybe Summer. I really want Seth to be the one to like. Who's like nay nay, sir? Yeah, I want this to be Seth's moment where he's just like, you know what? I'm tired of you bullying people. Stop bullying children, you grown man. You're an adult. If someone shot you, they'd be like, they shot a man. Yeah, they wouldn't say I shot a kid. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way that we gauge manhood, adulthood? adulthood in the OC, is that if someone shoots you, what would they say? <laughs> it's not a great system. It's not a legal system. <laughs> but it is the OC system. So we have a very short scene where Ryan and Marissa are, like, holding hands, and she's a little bit scared of the future, but they're going to stick together. Ching! Uh, and then it pretty much ends with just this kind of extended scene, and I thought there was going to be a lot more of a dramatic, like, I, Charlotte appears. I thought there was going to be a drop, but especially it, because, so, this scene Because it lingers for a long time? Yeah, it lingers for a long time, and you can see open doors all around them. And Charlotte is all around all those corners. Don't get me wrong. She just She's doesn't, there. She just doesn't step out. So Because no one said her name. She was waiting for that moment. And no one made Kirsten do something involving her dad. Exactly. She was waiting for the right moment. She never got, so she's just hanging around corners. So Ryan and Seth are chattering, and Seth is so proud that he was so brave, and he doesn't even care about his two weeks, um, two months detention. Yeah. And then in comes Sandy, and Kirsten follows, and the boys are so happy. Yeah. And then uh, they all go into the kitchen. It's just a long talk about them being happy that she's back, how Seth does have two months of detention. How Ryan no longer goes to school. Yeah. How Grandpa is broke. Yeah. But hey, they're together. And it ends on an oddly happy note that makes me very nervous. <laughs> so we know Charlotte is coming to the beach, so... She's coming. Also, also, I mean, I feel like even without that scene where Charlotte's like, oh man, I'm, I'm coming, I feel like Kirsten would have called her. Yeah. Yeah. To say I'm, I'm not coming back? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm, I'm almost certainly going to have the thing where Charlotte comes up and is just, just like, oh, I'm here now, what a surprise, but it shouldn't be a surprise. Kirsten should have called her. She's still her friend. Yeah, I'm not coming back. She's still under her thumb. I'm sure she's going to come and be like, Kirsten, after you left, I just didn't know what to do. I have this flask full of alcohol. But and then, unfortunately, the flask is secret. She'll have another bottle of grain alcohol. Well, yeah, second flask. Ooh, second flask. <laughs> yeah, and then I, then I think like the kids are going to figure out that she's. The kids are good at sniffing out sociopaths. Well, and the unfortunate thing is that that Charlotte doesn't realize that she's in in the house with the OC. She doesn't know the greatest vigilante detective 
in Southern California yep. is there. But she will. Oh, she will. Ooh. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic joined the school play only to emerge in its star turn as drama? In an episode which had some great character growth. Pretty tight. But actually was oddly full yeah. of CW moments. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, like, little things. I'm going to pick the one. Unfortunately, I picked it and then we talked about it. Yeah. It's Caleb being broke. I know, that's fair. It's so dumb. Yeah. There are so many better ways to achieve the goal that I just... Caleb was never set up as a bad businessman, and it makes Kirsten it's, it's look the, like an idiot. Yeah, it's the one thing he had. So it's weird that in death they took away the one thing he had, which is that he was a bad businessman. It's like they tried to give us his apology. is like, but look, he was a good father. And I'm like, no, he wasn't. Apologizing in a letter after you die doesn't undo all the other things you've you done. Yeah, and he's not a good father. He's a good businessman. Yeah, and like you could have... He, he loves his daughter, but he's not good at loving yeah, her. You could have at least given him... If you wanted us to to like end Caleb with some, some positive quirk at all, give us that he's at least a good businessman. Yeah, and then he gives his money to, I don't know, I, I would children. Have, I would have loved if he gave it to just the people who are underage. Yes, and which means Lindsay, Lindsay Ryan, Ryan, Seth. Yeah. Marissa so. and Caitlin. Yep, I love, and they don't get to touch it until they are twenty-one. And he says, which means like, this show would be. This, this, I don't think they imagine this show would go into the kids are twenty-one, so they would never have had to deal with exactly. it. Exactly, and he could just say, like, you know, I was a self-made man. My grown kids don't need this, but yeah. I want to make sure that you have a cushion. Yeah, it would. Be, it would have been. It would so be you, nice. you can take risks and you can figure out who you are or something. And, and if they wanted, they could have even had he had less money than he said he had because it's a, he's a businessman. All of this stuff is yeah. tied up in like equities. Yeah, and, and like you know what, like he that. actually has tons of money, but you can't access it. Yeah, I think I think that would have been a sweeter end for a character they clearly wanted to end well, sweetly. Yeah, yeah, weird. Kevin, what's your CW moment? Um, mine, we also talked about, so I don't talk about it for that long. But it's the long, lingering moment of of Taylor Townsend just staring at Jack Hess. <laughs> like, it's it's it feels very much the show is just trying to make it very clear to us that like, they're sleeping together at this point. In case we didn't get it. But <laughs> I, I feel like I would have preferred if there was more given, like, more like... Maybe. I mean, that scene where she gives him the pouty lips is so weird. But also, could be like, but that's just her being that's that way. That's just the way she is. But the, but the solid minute where she just stares at him and is so clear to everyone who should be within a 50, like, yard radius. They should have felt the and, sexual energy coming off this person. And for Summer to not pick up on that yet is a real... I feel like Summer also very much, like you, believes everyone is sleeping with everyone. That's, maybe that's why I'm annoyed. I'm like, Summer, come on. We're the same. And, and I was... And I before, I was willing to believe that they were... Um, that, like, there was some sort of connection between them, but it's very clearly sexual now. Oh, I always know. Oh. That's not fair. You've watched the show before as well. I don't remember, though. Like, I'm very excited to see how they met, because I don't remember. I mean, I imagine that's probably going to be Jack Hess's, like, 
moment. Like, that's going to be his downfall is oh, the yeah. reveal of that relationship. Sleeping with Taylor. Yeah, because – and it's unfortunate it's going to be that. And not the fact that he's just re- – strip away Taylor Townsend and the inappropriateness and the terribleness of that relationship. He's really bad at his job. Yeah, why is he targeting students and bullying them he, and physically assaulting them? He hates these four. And I – and I think, and it had to have started before Taylor Townsend. Like, yeah. Because he comes into the school already like, I don't like you two. It makes, that's not how you educate. <laughs> so, I, so yeah, so, so knowing that I know his downfall is going to be because of Taylor Townsend and not because he is just really bad at his job. He's so bad. But that's the other thing with, with like shows like this. They can never just have it be like, oh, well, you see, their downfall was because they were incompetent at this thing. There's always has to be like, oh, no, there's this one moment which was their evil thing that they did. It's his fatal flaw, <laughs> sleeping with 17-year-olds. She might be 18. <laughs> it was his fatal flaw, sleeping with 18-year-olds. Ah, yes, I believe you, you see that in lists of character flaws. <laughs> yeah, when you're reading about Greek tragedies. Pro- you know, it's, it's, it's also in those seven deadly sins, you know. Pride, sloth, sleeping with 18-year-olds. Unless you are 18. Then that's okay. Yeah. It's a weird gray area. 18 and a half? Gray. <laughs> uh, well, that was, uh, that was the OC. And we're getting, we're getting into it. Um, I'm just, we don't really always do, like, look forwards things. I have to imagine those kids are going to, like, public school, right? They have to. There's, like, they can't get in Harbor. They can't get back into Harbor soon. I'm sure they will eventually because this is the OC. And so the question I have is, Air, do you think that they're going to do public school like they did the Southside school where it's like a jail school? Oh, absolutely. How, eventually, how? eventually the season will come Kevin Voychuk played by Cam Giante. How, how insulting is this going to be to anybody who's not super rich? Well, the most insulting, but they'll meet some kids with a heart of gold. Uh, cool. The, the, the shining diamonds in this rough of terribleness. Eventually, and I don't remember when, but uh, our good friend Starchild, Starboy, Starman from Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh. Chris Pratt Chris is Pratt? on the show. Yeah. Oh, cool. Plays a stoner named Che. Ah, uh, well, that makes sense, I guess. So that's coming at some point. I, I, is, is that, is that um, Chubby Pratt? Uh, not as chubby as Parks and Rec, but not like yeah. Wonderfalls or whatever that show he was on. Yeah, because there's two, there's two, uh, there's two Pratts. There's well, because there was like super, there... j- super Jack teenage Pratt when he was on that like Wonderfalls or whatever. Yeah, high school football player yeah. show, and then Chubby Pratt. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's it's, it's um uh it's Chris Chris Pratt and Chris Fat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give that an O. Uh, anyway, yeah, a lot of things to look forward to. It's going to be an interesting season. But hey, if you want to uh, follow along with us as we continue watching the OC, and if you want to talk to us about Nancy Drew, a series that I am also, with having heard nothing about it, I'm excited. I'm also interested in seeing it. Um, I hope it doesn't rely on as much as Riverdale does with being like, yeah, but it's not like you remember. We're twisted. I don't think Nancy Drew is as, like, emblematic or as a part of, like, everyone's consciousness. I, but like, I, I, I don't even remember her other friend's name. No, but here's the thing. I feel like she is, by the fact that she can be referenced by things. If someone says, like, oh, she's a real Nancy Drew, you get a That's true. type. So I, I hope they don't, they, it doesn't end up being the thing where they try really hard for it to be, like, oh, but it's not what you expect. It's the opposite of what you expect. Everything we do is to make sure we make sure that you're not expecting it. 
well, we know it's going to be dark. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've, as long as uh, in the first episode she just drops a hard F-bomb, I think I'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> I want, look, what I'm saying is that I want Nancy Drew to swear. <laughs> so give us your swearing Nancy Drew, Nancy Drew predictions on some Soshmeads, some Twitter. Give us some mean memes on Instagram. It's all Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA. You also send us an email. It's podcastmoa at gmail.com. And if you're into this early 2000s content, please give us a rating, review, and subscription on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Play, yeah, yeah. or your other podcaster of choice. Wherever you find us from. Google Chrome. Be able to find us on Chrome. Just Google our <laughs> website. Find it. Yeah. <laughs> and we will see you next week. What will happen when Charlotte arrives in the OC? What's next for the Cooper Nichols family? Taylor needs to stop staring at Jack Hess. For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A teen drama fan cast? 